0: The following audio has been brought to you by Word of Grace Community Church. For more information about Word of Grace, visit wogcc.com. It's always important that we always look at Scripture in context so that we don't make it mean something that it doesn't mean. We have to look at the historical setting, we have to look at the author's intent, we have to look at what the Holy Spirit inspired that author to write, and then what that means to us today. And so, as we do that, we've been going through this verse by verse for that reason. And it's important that we understand how to properly look at Scripture. And so, if you're ever doing a word study in Scripture, every word needs to be interpreted by the sentence that it's in or the verse that it's in. Every verse or every sentence needs to be interpreted by the paragraph that it's in. Every paragraph needs to be interpreted by the literary unit. In this case, 1 Corinthians 12-14 through would be a literary unit dealing with that subject. The literary unit needs to be interpreted in light of the book and in the whole historical context of what's being said, and needs to be compared to other scriptures to see if those things line up. So it doesn't matter what you've been taught, it doesn't matter what you come to believe, if those things aren't lining up, something should be sending off a red flag to you that maybe just maybe I'm being taught scripture incorrectly. And so we have to go through scripture and take it seriously, especially someone that's in a position like I am to teach scripture, because in the book of James chapter three and verse one, the writer says that those who are teaching are actually going to be held to a stricter judgment. And so I take this very seriously teaching you the word of God. So I'm very careful to share my opinion. And when I do, I try to highlight it as such. And as we go through these scriptures, I want to make sure that you can see for yourself what the Lord intended for us. Because I don't know about you, but I want everything that God has for me. And I want to do everything that God has called me to do. And I know that I need the Holy Spirit to help me to do what it is God has called me to do, because I'm not that great. Don't amen and shout me down when I say that but I'm really not that great. It's the Holy Spirit in me. And guess what? The same Holy Spirit that's in me is in you and he has given you gifts and he wants you to use those gifts for two things, for the edification of the body of Christ, the building up of the body of Christ and the evangelization, the spreading of the gospel, the good news about Jesus Christ. So this final message in this series called Supernatural is called Decently and in order. We finished with the love chapter, chapter 13 last week, and how the Apostle Paul made crystal clear that if you don't have love, it doesn't matter how spiritual that you may think you are, if you don't have love, you're making a bunch of noise, and you're just trying to draw attention to yourself, and you're missing the point that the gifts are not to be merit badges that are worn on our outward man, but rather they're to be servant towels that we use to wash one another's feet with. And that we are to serve one another in the body of Christ, that we're to serve one another with these gifts, and we're to serve the world with these gifts by sharing with them the good news that Jesus Christ has given us. Now, in the last chapter of 1 Corinthians chapter 14, go ahead and go over there if you have your Bible with you today, in the last chapter uh, that we're going to be dealing with here in this series, in chapter 14, Paul is going to shift his teaching to deal with with the issue of tongues and prophecy and he's really wanting to get across this message of edification and helping people to understand what edification really means. In chapter 12, he dealt heavily with talking about unity in the church. Do you remember in chapter 12 where he talked about there are many gifts but there's one spirit, we're all one body, that these gifts are supposed to be helping us to grow and edify the body and share the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. And so let's look here at 1 Corinthians chapter 14, where he begins to deal with the subject of edification. 1 Corinthians 14, let's read verses 1 through 5. "'Pursue love, and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. For one who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men but to God. For no one understands him, but he utters mysteries in the Spirit.' On the other hand, the one who prophesies speaks to people for their upbuilding and encouragement and consolation. The one who speaks in a tongue builds up himself, but the one who prophesies builds up the church. Now, I want to speak all I want you all to speak in tongues, but even more to prophesy. The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues unless someone interprets, so that the church is built up. Here Paul says, "Crystal clear." that we need edification in our personal lives and in the church. He speaks to this need to be built up, that we need to grow, that we need to encourage one another, that we need to sharpen one another. Because we live in a world that is regularly coming against the very thing that we stand for. You may live in a family where you're the only believer. You may be the only Christian in your home, I don't know. You may be the only Christian at your workplace, or at least the only one who would stand up for your God-fearing, God-given values in your workplace. Maybe that's you. Maybe you feel like that's uh, what you're dealing with. Maybe you're in a situation. I remember when I was a youth pastor, I would regularly teach to young people about how to live counterculturally, because it seems the culture wants to go one way, and it seems that those that are living for Christ have to stand in face of a lot of opposition, and that. That can be exhausting. That can wear you down. And so part of the purpose of the gifts of the Holy Spirit, not only for the evangelization of the gospel, but also for the edification or the building up of the church. We also see this idea mentioned numerous times in other places in Scripture where other writers would say things like, we need to sharpen one another as iron sharpens iron. So does one man's countenance sharpen another. We see over in other places in Scripture where it's said that we need to spur one another on to good works, that we not get weary in well doing because you can get weary in well-doing. Have you ever tried to lose a few pounds? Yeah, you can get weary in well-doing. We can all get weary in trying to do something good, and because we understand that fact, we need to make sure that we're surrounded with a community of faith that is helping to encourage us and to edify and build up and strengthen the body of Christ because when one of us gets stronger, every one of us wins. Amen? And ultimately, God is glorified. So we need edification in our personal lives and in the church. And Paul's goal was to bring a focus to these spiritual gifts and bring this focus back to the purpose. He was saying, listen, it's good for you to be strengthened personally. It's important for you to be strengthened personally. And so he said, if you have that gift of tongues, listen, and you're praying, that that's something that's going to build you up personally unless someone is there to interpret because it's not benefiting anyone else in, in any other setting, unless there's something being understood. He said, I would actually rather that you would prophesy. He said it's actually greater to prophesy. He wasn't saying that prophecy is actually better than that gift, because that would uh, contradict what he said in uh, chapter 12, where he talked about the equality and uh, the, the, the similarity of all the gifts, how the eye doesn't say to the hand, I don't need you anymore. That would contradict that message. So he's not saying it's a superior gift. He's not saying tongues is better or lesser than prophecy. He's just saying, listen, when you're with other Christians, it's better that they understand what you're saying. That's, that's layman's terms there. That's what the Apostle Paul is saying. When you're with other believers, it's better that everyone understands what's going on because it's not causing confusion. As we'll read later in, the first, uh, in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, the Apostle Paul says God is not the author of confusion, but rather he's the author of peace. So he wants you to understand. God doesn't want you to be confused. He doesn't want you to misunderstand spiritual gifts. That's why Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, in the very first verse, brothers, I don't want you to be ignorant, concerning spiritual gifts. I don't want you to misunderstand this stuff, and neither does God. God doesn't want you to misunderstand this stuff. He wants you to uh understand, excuse me, the purpose so that we can all grow and be strengthened and share the gospel with other people. Remember, the Holy Spirit was given for two reasons. Jesus said in Acts in the very first chapter in the seventh verse, he said to go into Jerusalem, wait on high so you can be endued with power by the Holy Spirit to be witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. He said the Holy Spirit was going to empower you to be witnesses in all of those different areas. So in other words, you're depending on the Holy Spirit to do something in you and through you that you can't do on your own as you look at all of these gifts you see gifts of miracles you see gifts of healing you see all of these different spiritual gifts that he's given us gifts of help gifts of administration um, gift of prophecy gift of tongues you see gift of teaching all these other things listen you can't heal anybody on your own you're not that great you don't have that strength to go and heal somebody but guess what you know the one who does heal do you not and is his spirit dwelling and living on the inside of you If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, you better be, because He has now put His Spirit inside of us. Jesus said, it's better that I go away so the Holy Spirit can come, because the Holy Spirit wants to turn us into ministers of the gospel, not so we can get the attention, not so we can get the glory, but so the glory can go to God. And the only way the glory can go to God by you and I being used is if if it's not our strength, and it's not our ability, and it's not our talents but rather it's the Holy Spirit of God. He gets the glory. There have been a lot of times where I have felt prompted, I'll use that word, prompted by the Holy Spirit to do something that's outside of my character or my known ability, or I just don't know how it's going to turn out. Have you ever felt compelled or drawn to do something, maybe to go talk to someone, or maybe God put it on your heart to go pray for someone, and you're like, oh, what if I like mess the prayer up and make it worse? What if I make the situation worse by, oh, oh, what if I, oh, and then all of a sudden you start getting in your own head, and the enemy starts whispering all these doubtful thoughts that are causing you to question whether or not this is legitimate or not, if this is really the Holy Spirit wanting to work in you and through you something, And, and, and maybe the Holy Spirit's wanting to use you in a gift in something that he's wanting to do in a certain moment with a certain person, and you reason away and maybe stuff it and just ignore it. Listen, folks, we got to submit to those drawings of the Holy Spirit because God's trying to use you. It's your job and it's your responsibility to submit to that and say, okay, Lord, I'm going to trust you. I don't know how it's going to work out, but I trust you because I know you're good. And when I trust in something that I can't see, that I don't know how it's going to work out, that's a little something we like to call faith, where you're trusting and going, okay, God, I want... You, you, you told me to go pray for this person, I'm going to do that. And that's the Holy Spirit trying to work something in you, whether that may be that gift of intercession that He's working in you. That, and, and some gifts are things that are in you that, that God will use you in all the time. And then there's other gifts that I have experienced that only come that I'll be used in in a moment, where there's a gift that will be stirred in me, where the Holy Spirit just empowers me to do something that's outside of my character, Because it's not something I can get the glory for. It's not something I studied really hard and really good and tried to prepare for. No, it was something that God wanted to do in me and through me in a moment. And I just needed to be ready and willing. Is anybody hearing what I'm saying today? You see, sometimes that happens, and you've got to be ready for that. There will be times where the Spirit of God may be speaking to you in the, in the line at the grocery store, and the Holy Spirit's wanting to give you something to share with someone, and you're like, oh, I feel like God's wanting me to speak this to someone. That's the gift of the Holy Spirit wanting to work in you. And Paul says, desire that. Ask for that. Pursue that. I don't want you to be ignorant of that or scared of that. I want you to actually to submit to that voice of God because He's wanting to use you and He's wanting to do something through you that really the only thing it has to do with you is your willingness and your obedience and your trust. It's not because you're a great speaker or because you've got all your stuff together and you're this perfect person that has rehearsed this and you've got a PowerPoint presentation about the gospel and you want to share this person falls to their knees in line at Walmart and they get saved, it's wonderful. No, that's not... That doesn't always happen that way and that's not what God's asking you to do. He's asking you to be ready, for you to be willing, for you to trust that he's put something on the inside of you. And then there's other gifts that as we'll read later that are subject to the prophets. There's other gifts that we can use as will as, as there's things he wants us to do that he's entrusted us with that he's put on the inside of us that we can regularly use. But remember, in chapter 12 of 1 Corinthians, Paul did say that the Holy Spirit distributes to each one as he wills. And he said there's different gifts. There's different parts in the body. And he begins to illustrate this by using the body. and, and, And we need every part doing their part. And we need every person pursuing God and growing in the gifts that he's wanting you to have and the things that he's putting in your heart to either desire or to operate in. And we need that so we can build up the church, so we can encourage one another, so we can strengthen one another. Because it's not just about one person having this one gift. It's not just about me having a teaching gift and regularly using that. Uh, just a few days ago, I was at my accountability board meeting where I have a, a group of men that I regularly meet with to, you know, just discuss life and different things, and they hold me accountable in certain areas of my life. And as we were talking, we were just kind of going down a negative path, and just kind of griping about some things, and everyone was kind of just going one way. And then one guy in the group just gets this thing that just like takes off and changes the conversation to where he begins to speak up. And I know it was the Holy Spirit of God. It wasn't something he had rehearsed. It wasn't something he had come ready to talk about because he didn't know how the conversation was going to go that night. He began to speak something that was emboldened and right and true. And then when it was done and and, and when he was done speaking it, we were all like, whoa Okay, let's well, stop being negative and let's, you know, start looking at things this way. And it was like this powerful just thing that happened. And I knew it was the Holy Spirit. I knew it was the Holy Spirit of God using that man at that time to speak truth to us because we needed to get our conversation course corrected. And the Holy Spirit used him in that gift in that moment. Now he doesn't talk to me that way all the time because 99.9% of the time he's a goofball. (laughs) And we just joke around and we have fun and we talk about all sorts of silly stuff. But in that moment, boom, it was the Holy Spirit using him to bring about a course correction in a conversation. And I'm grateful for them. I'm glad people are, are willing to be used in those moments. And, and there are times where I'll be counseling people, where I'm sitting down with them and, and, and maybe they're sharing something with me and I know something is going on in my spirit that God wants me to share with them. And I always try to put a break in the conversation so they don't think that this is somehow some great thing I read in some book somewhere, some great self-help guru thing, or, or some great principle. I want them to know that it's the Lord, but I'm not weird about it. I just do this. I'll be counseling someone, and I'll say, I'm about to say something to you, and I really feel like that it's from God. And I feel like the Holy Spirit has given me a word to share with you. And if you don't agree with it, and you don't think it's from God, please tell me because I want to be right. I, I, I want to make sure I'm right with God. Amen? I want to make sure, first and foremost, that my vertical relationship is correct. And then my horizontal relationships will be taken care of, right? So i got to make sure that it's from the Lord. So if, if this doesn't bear witness or agree with your spirit, will you please tell me that? But I really feel like God wants me to share something with you. And it's not a part of normal conversation. So that way, God gets the glory for it. And then I'll share that word with them, and then they'll tell me whether or not they think that's from the Lord. Or they'll tell me if they need to kind of let it marinate and, you know, just think on it a little while. And I've had that happen before, too, where people say, you know, let, let, let me think about that. Okay, and then they'll get back with me. Because I want to be used by the Lord, and I'm to desire earnestly, Paul says, spiritual gifts. So God wants us to want to be used by Him to both encourage and, and edify and build up His church, and to share the gospel with other people. As a matter of fact, the gift of the Holy Spirit began to work in Peter so strongly, the disciple Peter, that when he began to go up and speak and preach and teach the word of God in a powerful, strong way, everyone was like, that's like an untrained, unlearned guy. Isn't that, you know, Pete and Bro's fishing company, Peter? Isn't that who that is that's preaching that? Like, where did he go to seminary? He didn't go to seminary anywhere. Where did he learn that? What rabbi did he sit under? That's just Pete, man. That's the guy that's always sitting out on the boat trying to, you know, sell me the two-for-one halibut or whatever, you know? I don't understand. That's Peter. He's speaking like an educated guy because it wasn't Peter that was speaking. It was the Holy Spirit that had empowered Peter in that moment to do something that was beyond his natural ability, and that's what the gifts of the Holy Spirit do. Over in Acts chapter 2, if you want to go over there, we'll talk about this thing for a minute because a lot of people have fun with this. Acts chapter 2 and verse 1, this is really where we see the Holy Spirit um, begin to uh, fall in the church in the book of Acts. Acts chapter 2 and verse 1, we'll read through verse 8 just to give us some context here. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven, a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting, and divided tongues as a fire appeared to them as rested on each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave utterance. Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And at this sound the multitude came together, and they were bewildered because each one of them was hearing them speak in his own language. And they were amazed and astonished, saying, Are not all these those who are speaking Galileans? And then how is it that we hear each of us in his own native language? So this here that happened, that we just read, was the manifestation of the Holy Spirit's power and the gift of tongues for the purpose of proclaiming the gospel. Because what began to happen was at this feast, people came from all over who spoke all kinds of different languages, and they're all gathered for this feast of Passover. And then the Holy Spirit comes, and all of a sudden they begin to hear from this upper room this sound, and they're like, wait a minute, that's my language, that's weird. How am I hearing God being praised and glorified in my own language? How am I hearing the good news about Jesus Christ in my own language? It was because the Holy Spirit had given each one of them those gifts in that time for the purpose of winning people to Christ, for the purpose of the evangelization of the gospel. In that time, Paul was not, uh, as we read about Paul later though, he wasn't talking about tongues as a language heard by others for the purpose of proclaiming the gospel. So as we read chapter 14, He's not talking about that necessarily. Instead, he's talking about the gift of the Holy Spirit that's given for personal edification. Tongues in this instance means the gift of a personal prayer language that would strengthen one who was praying if they had that gift. And he was telling them, he said, listen guys, only you are going to benefit from that if no one understands what you're saying or if there isn't an interpreter. And then he goes on to further drive this point home. Let's read in verse 6. Now, brothers, if I come to you speaking in tongues, how will I benefit you unless I bring you some revelation or knowledge or prophecy or teaching? Even if lifeless instruments such as the flute or the harp do not give distinct notes, how will anyone know what is being played? And if the bugle gives an indistinct sound, who will know to get ready for battle? So with yourselves, if with your tongue you utter speech that's not intelligible, how will anyone know what's being said? For you will be speaking into the air." There are doubtless many types of languages in the world, and none is without meaning. But if I do not know the meaning of the language, I'll be a foreigner to the speaker, and the speaker a foreigner to me. So with yourselves, since you are eager for manifestations of the Spirit, strive to excel in building up the church. Man, this is pretty straightforward, you guys. He is saying, listen, I want you to pursue spiritual gifts. I want, you guys to do the, I want you guys to seek whatever it is God has for you. But when it comes to this gift, it's causing a lot of confusion, okay? And he's saying, if you're speaking in tongues, he said, this needs to be something you're doing as a personal edification, unless there's someone interpreting. Otherwise, he says, you're speaking into the air. He said, no one's being benefited. Now, I grew up In a type of church setting, and this is just me, I grew up in a type of church setting where people would pray for one another and they would just pray in tongues over each other. And it was a very, very emotionally driven experience. And this is exactly what Paul is saying here that's not correct. He's saying this isn't right. He said because you're causing confusion. No one's understanding what you're saying. This isn't benefiting anyone. You should instead seek to prophesy to each other or speak words of edification. He's not talking about prophecy in the sense of he's wanting everybody in the room to tell the future because that'd be weird, right? And God's not going to do something that's going to embarrass Himself, and He's not going to make everyone in here sit around telling the future all day. He's talking about prophecy in the sense of speaking words of edification that are directed and given to you by the Holy Spirit. That we're encouraging each other, that we're building each other up, and that we all should have that gift to be able to do that with each other. He said, "I'm not saying that speaking in tongues is wrong." He said, "I'm not." saying that it's something that you shouldn't do. He said, but if you're going to do this, he said, there needs to be an interpreter. He said, otherwise, he said, you are speaking into the air. He's saying, listen, desiring spiritual gifts is good. And obviously Paul is dealing with tongues and prophecy because those two were really misunderstood. And that's why he kind of hones in on that. And as we're going verse by verse through this, I think we need to hone in on it too, because I believe that those are two spiritual gifts that are greatly misunderstood in the body of Christ to this day. And people either reason them away or they just say, well, this is something that we shouldn't do. But none of the other gifts have ceased and the church has not ceased to need to be edified and the gospel has not ceased to need it to be spread. So if the purpose of the Holy Spirit and the gifts that he gives to us is to evangelize the gospel and to build up the church until the need for those two things stops, we still need the empowering and the gifting of the Holy Spirit because we can't do this on our own because we're not that Great. I don't know if you figured that out or not. I'm glad my wife's not in here. There may be a really loud amen. You're not that great. <laughs> but Paul has already said twice that we should desire spiritual gifts from the Holy Spirit. We should want to be used and we should be open to God to say, God, what do you want for me? Because the Holy Spirit distributes those gifts as he wills. That's what he said in chapter 12. Some people, they teach that the evidence of someone being empowered by the Holy Spirit is tongues. And I would argue with you that that's not the case. I don't believe that that the evidence of being baptized or filled with the Holy Spirit is tongues. But some people teach that. I find that nowhere in Scripture. There are people that when the Holy Spirit fell, like in the book of Acts, they spoke in tongues. But there are also instances where the Holy Spirit fell and the Bible says that they spoke the word of God boldly. Acts 1 and 8 needs to remind us of the purpose before we get too dogmatic about something the Bible does not say. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea, Samaria, and to the end of the earth. So what that means here is that the main idea is that when the Holy Spirit comes, that there would be a shift from your ability to God's ability. That's the empowering of the Holy Spirit. There would be a shift from your ability to God's ability. It is His power working in you and through you. This power manifests itself in gifts that the Holy Spirit distributes as He wills. So that means that the person who speaks in tongues is not a better or more spiritual Christian than the person that doesn't. Come on, somebody. doesn't mean that the person who can teach is better than the person who is in their closet as an intercessor praying for things and people that you'll never know what happened. It doesn't mean that the person who is leading a church and, and, or maybe someone who has a gift of evangelism or someone who has a, a, a gift of a word of knowledge doesn't mean they're more important than the person who has a strong gift of service and of ministry helps. It doesn't mean. That's why Paul said, does the eye say to the hand, I don't need you? That's why he's saying, listen, you're not better because spiritual gifts are not merit badges to be worn on the outside for others to look at. There are servant towels to wash one another's feet with. There to share the gospel, to build up the body of Christ. Now concerning the gift of tongues, there have been a lot of times where the uh, gift of tongues was in operation and is, has been in operation as it was in the book of Acts. I've heard great stories from missionaries who were in other countries that there would someone that would be speaking to them in perfect English or whether God would give them something to share with them and the, and the person heard it in their own language so whether it was a gift from the Holy Spirit of the person who was speaking or whether it was a gift of the person who was actually hearing it in their own language God's will was still accomplished and God can do that and still does those things so those things like what happened in the book of Acts those things still happen we may not hear about those types of instances in America often because we all primarily speak English in this country. But on that day, there were people gathered from all over that didn't speak the natural language. He said, "Those guys are Galileans; they don't know our our languages. Doesn't make sense." But yet, we also see where Paul talks about the gift of tongues for those of those those that have it. It, it can be used as a place of edification, and Paul says, I have this gift. He said, I speak in tongues more than all of you guys. He said, I have this gift, and I believe that's because Paul didn't have anybody who was preaching or teaching him. Paul had to be out there on his own. Paul was the guy that was in prison. He was beaten. He was chased around, and he said, I praise God. I speak in tongues more than y'all. Why would you say that, Paul? I think because Paul needed to be built up and edified more than the average Joe. He needed to have that gift to be edified and strengthened in in his faith and be refreshed because he wasn't hearing regular sermons. He wasn't sitting in prison and pulled out his iPhone and sit there and got on version and read some great Bible study that made him feel better. He didn't jump on YouTube and watch some encouraging teaching. No, this guy was in prison, man. It was was lights out. It was a bad place. And so Paul said, I had this gift and, and, and I use this gift. And Paul is saying here, Now, what is best for the whole is best for the individual, and he begins to talk about more the things that really matter and what we should focus on. Let's keep reading, verse 13. We're going to hit all these scriptures. Therefore, one who speaks in a tongue should pray that he may interpret. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, and my mind is unfruitful. So I don't know what I'm saying, basically. It's not like knowing another language. I don't know what I'm saying. It's the spirit working in me. Verse 15, what am I to do? I will pray with my spirit but I will also pray with my mind also. I will sing praise with my spirit, but I will also sing with my mind also. So he would sing in that prayer language. Verse 16, Otherwise, if you can give thanks with your spirit, how can someone in your position of an outsider say amen to your thanksgiving when he does not know what you're saying? So if somebody's like praying over the food and they're praying in tongues over the food and they're like, amen? Oh, you weren't done. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't didn't understand what was going on here. He said, if someone's giving thanks, he said, it doesn't make sense. How am I supposed to know I'm not being uh, ministered to by that? I can't even participate in what's going on. Verse 17, for you may be giving thanks well enough. You may be doing a good job, but the other person is not being built up. I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you. Nevertheless, in church, I would rather speak five words with my mind in order to instruct others than 10,000 words in a tongue. I think that that kind of preaches for itself there. Paul's saying, listen, if, if, if you're not saying something people don't understand, you're not helping anybody. You're not doing anything. Even though you may think you are, you may feel like you are, Paul says you're not. Ooh, and that's hard. I don't like that. I don't want to feel spiritual. Yeah, I understand. But we cannot allow our feelings to dictate truth for us. Oh, let me say that slow so I can say that some mocha. Somebody needs to hear that today. You cannot allow your feelings to dictate truth. There is only one source of truth. It is not your experience. It is not your feelings. It is the Word of God. Amen? The Word of God is the foundation. So that means that I want to serve a God that when I read Scripture, I can see His heart and see who He is. And I don't make Him into someone that He is not. No matter how much I may want it. I may want it so bad. And I may look for that verse in Scripture to validate my experience. And validate and validate excuse me my my feelings but it's not about my feelings and my thoughts and my experiences being validated rather it's about me learning god i want to know who you are and according to your word not according to my experience because i can feel certain ways about certain things and what if my feelings are wrong have your feelings ever led you wrong before I'm just curious have you ever felt something before and your feelings led you wrong yeah that's why we can't walk by feelings that's why there has to be something more solid than my feelings. But my feelings are the sinking sand. They shift. Because, man, you give me $100. Woohoo, I feel good. I like you. You take it away. Hey. Thought we were friends. You just gave me this. My feelings have just changed in the moment about you. Because <laughs> you gave something to me and you took it away. And my feelings, man, they're, they're fickle. And that's exactly why we can't base our faith upon our feelings. Listen, we got to stop equating. Listen to me. Somebody listen to me today, please. We've got to stop equating our, our feelings with spiritual ex- experiences. Because not all of your feelings are spiritual. They're just feelings sometimes. Now, sometimes, granted, the Lord may, it may impress something on your heart and it brings you to emotions, But it doesn't mean that your emotions are a spiritual experience. Listen, I watched the Field of Dreams with my dad a few months ago when he came up to visit, and we cried. We felt emotion. That was not a spiritual experience. Oh, man, I could have made it a spiritual experience if I, if I didn't have good doctrine. But, man, I, it was not a spiritual experience. It was emotions. And there's nothing wrong with that. You want to know why? Because God created you with emotions. He wants you to experience the whole gamut of emotions. That's why He gave them to you. That's why He made you the way He made you. He wants you to feel. But every time you feel something in church and every time you get goose pimples, it doesn't mean that it's the Holy Spirit. Oh, hello, somebody. Somebody. Just because you get goosebumps and you feel something does not mean that it's the Holy Spirit. You cannot be led by your feelings. You will do things that will hurt the body of Christ. You will hurt one another. You will feel self-righteous and prideful. All sorts of things. I've seen it my whole life. If you allow yourself to be led by your emotions. And some people often that think they're the most spiritual are the most emotionally wounded people I've ever met in my life. And they got a lot of issues going on that they really need to allow Jesus to help them with, but instead they'd rather float themselves as spiritual when they're really just wounded. And it's masked. It's a, and they don't see it because they're deceived. So don't equate your emotions with, with spirituality. I've seen Christian movies before. Oh man, the Spirit of God was all over that movie. No, it wasn't. It's a movie. People acted. I mean, you may have felt something and that's great that you felt it, but don't make all of your feelings God. Let your feelings be feelings, and sometimes, sure, it is God moving you, and sure, it is God stirring you, and it is God that you definitely can sense something maybe you weren't aware of before. But to have this idea that God's not with me, He's, he, he's not walking with me, then all of a sudden, I feel Him and His presence is here. we got to get away from that. We're, that's an Old Testament thing. We, we, we have the Holy Spirit in us. He's with us. We're always in the presence of the Lord. Amen? Sometimes I'm aware of it more. Sometimes I I can be aware that God is with me more because maybe I'm focused more on Him or He wants me to be more aware of Him. But just because I feel something doesn't mean all of a sudden God showed up because God is here. He says, where there are two or three gathered in my name, there I am. He's here. He's on the inside of you, amen? Stop making it about emotions because then we'll get bad doctrine and we'll get bad Christian songs. Anyways, that's another sermon (laughs) for another day. I promise I won't go there. I am going to go there. Did you know... Did you know that that, 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 that one, of the, one of the ways that you learn doctrine is through the Christian songs that you sing? Did you know that? Did you know that those that write Christian songs are gonna be held to that James 3 1 higher standard because they're teaching doctrine? Do you know that there are a lot of songs that aren't proper doctrine that teach us bad ideas about God with people from good intentions? Your good intentions don't mean that bad doctrine's okay. You can have the best of intentions and you can be leading people around. That's why you have to even take the words that you sing and go, Is this right? Is this scripture? Because if I'm not, folks, I take this stuff seriously. I don't know if you picked up on that or not. And we all have to take this thing seriously because we have to give an account. How are we leading our children? How are we leading our families? How are, we, how are we allowing our view of God to be shaped? Is it being shaped by tradition and what we've always been told? Or is it being shaped by Scripture? Is it being shaped by my experiences and what I want God to be like? Or is it being shaped by the Word of God? Is it being shaped by the latest bestseller that's on the book stand? Or is it being shaped by the Word of God? Is it being shaped by the latest fad pastor who's super popular and, 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 and has all these videos everywhere that you watch? Or is it being shaped by the Word of God? We've got to look at the Word of God. Every time... All right, I just stepped off my soapbox. That's what that was. All right. Spiritual gifts are for edification and salvation. Remember the purpose of these gifts and why we should desire them. Paul is saying the purpose of these gifts should stay the focus of the gift. We need to be mature enough to keep the main thing the main thing. It is not about us, amen? That's why Paul said this, verse 20, brothers, do not be children in your thinking. Be infants in evil So if you want to be ignorant of something as a child, be ignorant in evil things, is what he's saying here. But in your thinking, in your rationalization, in the way you approach your God, in the way that you worship him, in the way you understand the gifts of the Holy Spirit, he's saying, be mature. In the law it's written, By people of strange tongues and by the lips of foreigners will I speak to this people. And even though they will not listen to me, says the Lord, thus tongues are a sign not for believers but for unbelievers, while prophecy is a sign not for unbelievers but for believers. If therefore the whole church comes together and all speak in tongues and an outsider or unbelievers enter, will they not say you are out of your minds? The answer to that question is yes. Verse 24, but if all prophesy and an unbeliever or an outsider comes... He's convicted by all. He is called to account by all. And the secrets of his heart are disclosed. And so he falls on his face and he'll worship God and declare that God really is among you. Mm. Paul's doing the preaching today, not Derek. That's good stuff. All gifts are given for the glory of God. And all gifts are to be used decently and in order. These gifts should be pointing people to Jesus, not to you. Not to some experience. They should be pointing people to Jesus. They should be glorifying Jesus. If you want the experience more than you want Jesus, something's wrong. If you want an emotional high more than you want Jesus, something is wrong. Nothing should take the place of Jesus. If you want the goose pimples more than you want Jesus, something is wrong. If you want some deep something more than you want Jesus, something is wrong. Because Jesus is as good as it gets, folks. Amen? There's nothing better than Jesus. There's no name higher than Jesus. There's no other name by which men are saved. So Jesus, you're not the man holding the door open to all of what God has. You are what's behind the door. You are the door. You're the gate. You're the way, the truth, and the life. And no man comes to the Father except by you. It's all about Jesus. Even Jesus said, speaking about the Holy Spirit, that he's not even going to speak on his own authority. He's just going to speak what he hears directly from the Father. And he's going to tell you about me, is what he said. Let's keep on reading. Where were we at? I don't even remember. Verse 26. What then, brothers, when you come together, each one has a hymn, a lesson, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation. Let all things be done for building up. If any speak in a tongue, let there be two, or at most three, and each in turn. Let someone interpret. But if there's no one to interpret, let each of them keep silent in the church and speak to themselves and to God. Let two or three prophets speak. Let the others weigh what is said. If a revelation is made, or if there's another sitting there, let the first be silent. For you can all prophesy one by one, so that all may learn and all may be encouraged. And the spirits of the prophets are subject to the prophets. For God is not a God of confusion, but He is the author of peace. And I believe in this certain instance here, as we read, I think he's kind of shifting. This is my opinion here. Okay. So I could be wrong. Uh, I believe he's shifting from talking about a big, larger corporate worship setting to a more smaller thing, because he's saying, if you have a song or if you have a revelation, why don't you share it? If we did that, we'd be here all day. Every one of you comes with a song, or each one of you comes with some prophetic word or something. Man, we would be here all day. And and I believe that the reason he gave those limitations those small numbers, because I believe this was talking about kind of like a small group or a home church or something, but before, I believe he was dealing with a bigger context uh, or a bigger congregation. And most of the theologians that I've read after and commentaries I've read uh, back that idea and that thought up as well. Um, But they could all be wrong. So it's not definitive just because a bunch of Bible scholars say that it's true but it does give some weight to it but it doesn't really matter he's talking about order is the main point is that when there's spiritual gifts that are exercised there needs to be order in that environment it doesn't need to be something chaotic or crazy where everybody's just interrupting each other and walking over each other and trying to out spiritualize one another no our gifts should be given to edify the body and to share the gospel and then he said listen those things if those things manifest they need to be manifested in a way that's decently and in an order um Let's keep on reading in verse 34. As in all the churches of the saints... Oh boy, this is going to be fun. You ready for this? All right. Praise the Lord. The women should keep silent in the churches, for they are not permitted to speak, but should be in submission, as the law also says. If there's anything they desire to learn, let them ask their own husbands at home, for it's shameful for a woman to speak in church. Or was it from you that the word of God came? Or are you the only ones it has reached? If anyone thinks that he is a prophet or spiritual, he should acknowledge the things I'm writing to you are a command from God. If anyone does not recognize this, he's not recognized. So my brothers earnestly desire to prophesy and do not forbid speaking in tongues, but let all things be done decently and in order. All right. Number six and 24, may the Lord bless you. No, I'm I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'll deal with it. I'll deal with it. It's fun. You know, I, I did a lot of research and I did a lot of study on this passage of Scripture because there's a lot of people that get really uptight and upset over 1 Corinthians chapter 14 in general. They either have a hard time with tongues and prophecy, and they think, well, that's being done away with. No, no, no. In chapter 13, he said that as for tongues, they will cease. As for words of knowledge, they'll cease. As for prophecy, they'll all cease. He said when that which has been made perfect has come, that's when it will cease because the purpose of the gifts is for us to... Um, Uh, edify the church and to share the gospel. And until the need to edify the church and share the gospel have ceased, which those things have not ceased, can we agree on that? So that which is perfect has not come then. That's going to come when Christ returned for us. And then we see him face to face and we're made like him, which is why the apostle Paul said, I see through a mirror dimly right now, but then I'm going to see him as he is when I see him face to face. He said, when I was a child, I thought like a child, but one of these days we're going to be like that fully mature man, and I'll think in that way because I will have experienced him and seen him in his full glory. And that's not going to happen until Christ returns, until I see him face to face. So, until that time, he said, the gifts aren't going to stop. He said, as a matter of fact, even after that time, faith, hope, and charity are going to still abide. He said, and the greatest of these, he said, is charity, is love. That's going to be the greatest of those three, and those are never going to pass away. So, that's, I have a hard time when people say the gifts are not for today because there are so many gifts. That the Holy Spirit gives. So that's one thing that I think is very important to take away from that. And so he's saying, listen, we just have to do these things decently and in order. So let's zero in and let's have fun for a minute on verse 34 and 35. And women should keep silent in the churches, for they're not permitted to speak, but uh, should be in submission, as the law says. If there's anything they desire to learn, let them ask their husbands at home, for it's shameful for a woman to speak in the church. So uh, there was a. worship singer backstage, Elizabeth. I was talking to her um, before service started, and I told her, "Say, I said, hey, I'm going to be dealing with the women keep silent in the church uh, scripture today. She said, oh yeah? She said, what are you going to say about that? I said, well, here's the deal. I said, you're not married. I said, you're a single girl. I said, and it says, let them go ask their husbands at home. So I guess it's just talking about married women, so you can talk all you want. Um, I said, but once you get married, boom, you're done, sister. Um, but no, that's... <laughs> You see why there's a need for proper context, because someone would come up with something goofy like that and start a whole movement about it. you got to look at this thing uh, in context. So there are uh, several different ways that this verse has been interpreted, and then I'll share with you what, what I think and my opinion on that. There were problems with the women in the church in Corinth. There were obviously problems because in chapter 11 and verse 5, Paul makes mention of some other women, and he actually, in certain parts of Scripture, names them by name that are causing problems in the church. And it's like, because there's things that they just won't stop, and apparently they're asking questions. And I don't know what questions they're asking. The Bible doesn't say. The Bible doesn't say what exactly was happening because this obviously sounds to me like something that Paul is dealing with in this church where he's saying, listen, those women, they're causing problems. They need to keep silent. If they're asking all these questions, they need to talk to their husbands at home because this is not appropriate for them to do this. They need to keep silent in the church. I don't think that it has anything to do with a uh, woman uh, teaching or with a woman being in some sort of position like a worship singer or something like that uh, because that's just not what we see throughout Paul's ministry. Paul's ministry would be a direct contradiction of that statement because Paul had female deaconesses. He had women that traveled uh, with their husbands with him that did missionary work that was would teach. He had all of those things. So for us to say that they weren't permitted to speak or teach universally in the church, I believe personally that that would be a gross misunderstanding. I think Paul is dealing with something that was happening in that church. You can disagree with me or not, but as far as Word of Grace is concerned, I'm not going to uh, prohibit women um, to use the gifts that God has put on the inside of them as the pastor of this church, and I'm going to be held accountable for that. And so I believe that that's what scripture uh, is saying that he's dealing with something happening. Um, whether it was something embarrassing to their husbands, I don't know. Um, but I think that this also has something to do uh, with women uh, in the operation of the gifts of the Spirit, because that's what, in context, this whole thing's talking about. And I think that there's some damage being done there by these ladies who are operating in these gifts or who have questions about these gifts or who are causing problems in this church. And Paul Paul's writing, dealing with that. That would make the most sense because there was no mention of anyone asking questions beforehand until we see if they have questions, let them ask their husbands at home. So that's why we have to look at it in context. Instead of just pull that one verse out, and then silence all of these women who God has put gifts in and who wants them to do what he's created them to do. What a gross misrepresentation of scripture if you just pull that out and hammer women over the head and try to exalt men and all this stuff. That's not what God intended. Uh, God pulled the woman out of our side, not out of our toe. That'll preach right there. (laughs) Uh, But I don't think it's forbidding uh, a woman to teach universally. Um, Now, uh, and the other thing, uh, to just buffet that a little bit, Second Timothy also talks about uh, women in leadership. And I believe that a spiritual covering, uh, especially in a spiritual sense in a home or in the church, that that position is supposed to be held by a man because I believe that's what that teaches because that's the order, he said, as Christ is head of the church. Not that he's ruling over her, domineering over her, but that he's the spiritual leader. Because if you ask most women, they want their husbands to be the spiritual leader in the home. And I believe that God set it up that way, and that's why he created man first, not because man's better, because, whoa, boy, we're not. But he created man first because there's a responsibility man is given to have spiritual leadership in the home, and I believe that that is the sense in that, um, uh, 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 so far as the spiritual sense in the church as well. So that's what I personally believe in practice, but as far as teaching is concerned and and, and being in another position of leadership, I don't think so. I, I don't think that's proper interpretation. Paul did not forbid to speak in tongues. He said there at the very end, he said, do not forbid to speak in tongues, he said, but earnestly desire to prophesy. He said, seek this thing. He said, so in other words, man, seek this thing, all right? Seek the gifts and see what God has for you. But whatever you do, let it be done decently in order because God does not cause confusion. And my hope for you today before you leave would be that God has cleared some things up for you that maybe you've had questions about, or maybe stuff you never had questions about, but you're like, oh man, I'm sure I'm glad that I know what scripture says now. And if you, if you want to do further study on this, I would recommend that you would go look at Bob Utley, U-T-L-E-Y. He's going to be here in September. Some of you will remember Bob. He's come and preached here before. He's going to teach us hermeneutics and how to study our Bibles and properly interpret scripture. He's going to do a five. Teaching series on that, where he's going to do uh, a full week where he's going to be here every night. It's going to be awesome. And uh, I can't wait for him to come. But you can look him up on YouTube, Bob Utley, U T L E Y, and you can look at the, the, the gifts of the Holy Spirit and his teachings on that. Very solid uh, professor of hermeneutics. There's a number of other resources I could mention too if you're interested in learning more about this subject. But my hope, as we've gone through these three chapters of Scripture verse by verse and we've explored them, we've analyzed them that you have gotten some clarity from the Lord, because if there is a haze over this thing, that's not God's will for you. He doesn't want you to be confused by this stuff, man. He wants you to understand because he wants you to operate in it. He wants you to desire spiritual gifts. Remember, the Apostle Paul said that to desire these things, to earnestly desire, that we should say, hey, Lord, whatever you want for me, I want to be used by you. And when there's an opportunity to use that gift, step outside of of your comfort. Step outside of what you, your your fear of, Well, what's going to happen? What are they going to say? And allow God to do his work. It'll create a greater dependence on God in your life. Because the greater dependence we have on God, that means the less I'm depending on myself. And that means that he gets the glory and I don't. Amen? I need to say, Lord, let my heart, let my life be in a position where I am used by you for your glory that you do in me and through me what brings you the most glory. So if there's gifts that you want me to have, I desire those things. I want them. Give me those things. Fill me with those things so I can be used by you. And, and there will be times where you'll go through seasons of using certain gifts that he has for you. But you've got to be willing. You've got to be obedient. You've got to be willing to raise your hand and say, yes, Lord, I want what you want. And I want it for the same reason you want it, not so I can be put on a pedestal. Not so I can be celebrated. Not so people can say, oh, look at how spiritual so-and-so is because they're, they're, they do this or they have this gift or whatever. I teach you the scripture. Let, let me not be on a pedestal because I teach the scripture and I'm some spiritual person that, that, that is better than others. No, 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 no. It's, they're servant towels. It's servant towels to wash one another's feet, to build you up, to edify you. And, and if you're not, Ephesians chapter 4 And verse 11 says that my job as a pastor is to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. You are called to the ministry. You may not be called to a full-time vocational position in a local church, but you are called to ministry, and you can't do this on your own. Hello, somebody. And if you think you can do this on your own, boy, you are in for a rude awakening. You need the Holy Spirit of God on the inside of you, and you are called to be a minister. That is what the Apostle Paul said in 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 20, where he says we are ambassadors for Christ. We're representatives of Jesus Christ, every one of us. And you have a ministry, and I'm supposed to equip you for the work of the ministry, and the ministry happens in your home. The ministry happens at Walmart. The ministry happens at the movie theater. The ministry happens at your job. The ministry happens at the restaurant that you're going to go to. That's where ministry happens. You're getting equipped right now and edified and built up and encouraged and strengthened so you can go out and do what God has called you to do. Whatever He's called you to do, He's given you gifts. And He wants you to use those gifts for His glory. Amen? For the evangelization of the gospel, for the edification of the church. Stand up with me. Thanks for listening to this sermon from Word of Grace. For more sermons or any other information, visit wogcc.com.